they found some skeletons from around Jericho of um, male bodies and measured them. And uh, from that, we, we know that the average size of a man in Jericho at that time was about five foot four. So when we think about Zacchaeus being short, we can comp confidently know he was smaller than five foot four. So probably about as big as me. And like me, a small person, we have that in common. But unlike me, uh, Zacchaeus was also extremely wealthy. And uh, making money through being a tax collect collector at this time was an extremely exploitative way of making a living. Think of it as a bit like a McDonald's franchise. So if you wanted to be a tax collector, you sort of bought the franchise from the Roman government, and then you were allowed to go out and collect the taxes pretty much asking as much as you wanted, because you like, like McDonald's, you'd need to cover your costs. You needed to cover the cost of your franchise. So if, if you were a tax collector, you're pretty wealthy and pretty mean. And if you were the chief tax collector, imagine how wealthy you were, because you had the whole region uh, to go around and basically rob people. There are a few issues with being a tax collector, and in Zacchaeus's case, we know he was a Jew. If you were a Jewish tax collector, you were essentially sort of outside of the covenant of God, whereas the Jewish people were under the covenant of God. You know, they were under his promise they belonged. When you became a tax collector, you sort of stood outside of that. So not only did people not like you because you exploited them, but they also, you were an outsider to the, to the community, and also you would have been viewed as a collaborator with the oppressive regime. And remember the story we looked at last week where the woman, also an outsider, came into the house where Jesus was having dinner, and she poured oil on his feet, and everyone else was like, what's going on? This is a scandal. And he speaks to the woman. Jesus turns his focus towards the woman and he includes her. And he makes an eternal example of her as someone who has loved much. And where she was outside of society, he includes her. So really good to look for the parallels in that story with this Zacchaeus story. Because this Zacchaeus story, like the story we looked at last week, is a story of scandalous inclusion and radical reset. And like we were saying last time, we can kind of hear the stories a lot and we forget how radical they are. So it's really important that we understand just what an outsider in every way Zacchaeus was. And a radical reset happens in his life. He's small, and he wants to see Jesus. And so what does he do? Well, interestingly, he doesn't think, oh, I'm small, so bad luck I'm not going to see him. Or like, oh, I'm small, and so he's bound not to see me. He does something about it. He climbs up the tree. Quite a humiliating thing to do. Just think about his position and his wealth, and his kind of probably good status to the Romans and bad status to the citizens, and he climbs up the tree because his primary drive is to see the Lord. He wants to see Jesus, and he wants to be seen by Jesus. And so he does what is necessary to overcome the obstacle of being a little too small to see uh, uh, through the crowds. And like last week, the story begins last week where the woman comes in and she pours out her 
life savings, or she pours out the equivalent of her retirement fund in perfume at the feet of Jesus. And in this story, when Zacchaeus is climbing that tree, and when people watched him climb that tree, they would have never dreamed that he would reset his whole lifestyle based on this extraordinary encounter with Jesus. But that is exactly what happens. And so radical reset begins with looking for Jesus. It begins with recognizing our obstacles, and we all have them. I'm going to tell you about one of mine a bit later on. We all have things that are difficulties for us. For him, it was being small. For him, it was his kind of stuff he was involved with. For us, it might be some past pain. It might be some physical illness or disability that we're dealing with. We can have all kinds of hindrances and weaknesses. But the trick is to learn from these stories, to recognize what they are, and to do something to overcome them. Like the woman last week who poured out the perfume. If she had thought, oh, I've got no chance of getting in that house. You know, I've heard Jesus is there. They'll chuck me out. You know, they won't even let me cross the threshold. But she didn't. She wanted to encounter Jesus more than she wanted to think about the barriers to her encountering Jesus. And so when we, we all have our barriers. We all have our stuff that makes us hold some stuff back or uh, make it feel a little bit difficult to give all of ourselves to, to God. We all feel a little bit like, oh yeah, we want to see more of Jesus. We want to know more of his power, but oh, you know, there's this and that that gets in the way. But recognizing that this and that that gets in the way is step one, and then doing something about it. I wonder, what would be your thing? So Zacchaeus is tiny, and he has to climb the tree. I wonder if, like me, there's something that is a barrier for you. And I wonder what might come to mind. Maybe Holy Spirit's already giving you some ideas of something you might do or not do that is a bit like climbing the tree. Okay. Sorry, it's breathing weirdly into this thing. I don't know what to do about it. Someone needs to help me who understands these things. Okay, we'll pretend it's all right. We just pretend it's fine. Let's just pretend it's fine. Okay, so let's think about the uh, scandalous inclusion of Jesus. We saw the scandal of how he included that woman. And we see, honestly, the crowd would have been going through Jericho. And they'll be like, oh, you know, stay away from him. He's a bit rough, Lord. You know, keep going. Don't bother with them. And Jesus looks up at the tree and he's like, Zacchaeus, just, you must... I must come to your house to stay. They would have been like, what's going on? You can't do that. And we know they did that. There's all this muttering. Why is he going to the house of a sinner? The scandalous inclusion of Jesus. We see it in lots of stories. We see it in the parable of the lost sheep. And we see it in the extravagant welcome of the father in the prodigal son. These stories paint a picture of God who seeks people out, who wants to find us. God wants to find us. He wants us to look for him and he wants to be found. And Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost. It's like That is his purpose. His purpose is to look for you and to be found by you. It is the joy of Jesus to go like, where's she gone? I haven't seen her much recently. Oh, there, I've got, I need to come to your house to stay. 
And Christians like me, maybe like you, like in that story of the lost sheep, we get lost too. And all sorts of things can cause us to wander off, uh, to go slightly off the boil, to become distracted in our life with God. And these things can be things that we think or do, or they can be things that happen to us that make life very difficult. And to us, if we're feeling a little bit like a sheep that slightly wandered off, then the message to us from Scripture through millennia is, come down, I must come to stay at your house. With the same insistence that Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, I must come to your house. That is is his call to us today. Come on, come down. I must come and stay with you. Experiencing the welcome of Jesus is not just a one-off revelation. There's that moment when we turn towards him and we give our life to Jesus, and that's a really important thing. But we also, through our lives, need to be constantly transformed through the renewing of our mind. And sometimes it takes quite a lot of effort, and we have to heavily depend upon the grace of God. So when I was 17, my parents' house was repossessed. And this left me with a... Well, I didn't... I wouldn't look at my bank account. Um, I wouldn't talk about money. I was uh, anxious about money pretty much all the time. And I became a Christian roughly about the same time. So I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew that he'd sent his Holy Spirit to transform me. But still, in this area of life. I was a bit like a lost sheep, if you like. It was a really difficult thing for me. And sometimes I'd try to deal with it. I'd be like, oh, I know, I'll get someone to pray for me. But I'd never sort of name it. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, just pray for me, because I didn't really want to talk about the shame uh, around this issue with fear around money. And when I got married, married, Phil is much more like normal about money than I am. So, So he would want to like say, you know, should we get a mortgage? How much money have we got? Can we talk about it? I'd be like, no. <laughs> I was just like, okay, we'll talk about it. I'd be like, all right then, we'll talk about it. And then we would sit down and obviously we would have an argument because I was as wired and fearful as anything. So anything he ever said, I'd be like, no, we can't do that. Oh, shut up. Oh, yes, of course. And it was really bad. It was quite difficult. And, and he'd be like, look, you know, do you think you could sort this out? <laughs> It'd be good if you could sort this out. I was, like, I was thinking, yeah, I know it would be. But for some reason, and maybe you got your stuff like that. It was really hard to sort out until one day I got sufficiently fed up with myself. And, you know, it's the, it's the grace of God, isn't it, that can make us so um, discontent with the situation. And I remember thinking, this has got to stop. And uh, so I took a couple of steps, and I'm just sharing these steps with you just in case. I'm sure none of you get stuck with anything, but just in case you ever did. Um, So one of the things I did was tell someone who I thought would hold me to account about it. And uh, so I told somebody what the issue was. And I was like, right, now you have to pray for me. And now I've told you I have to do something because otherwise it's going to be worse. (laughs) So, um, So I told someone and I got them to pray for me. And then I thought, all oh, right, now I've got to actually do something. So I, so I had to get engaged with uh, basically giving some money away, which was like quite a 
challenging thing. But I thought, do you know what? I want to be short of this thing. So, so I, I dealt with a few direct debits in the right direction. And I went home and I told Phil what I had done. I don't know whether he thought... I don't know what he thought. <laughs> I don't know if he thought, has she really changed or what? I don't know. Maybe he was relieved. Anyway, from that, getting someone to pray for me, who, who I gave permission to like, ask me how I was getting on, and taking a practical step of giving some stuff away that was causing me fear. Honestly, I am so much better now. I've even got the banking app on my phone. And fingerprint access, so I can get into it quite quickly. And now when we want to talk about money at home, I'm quite normal. I'm probably not as normal as you lot, but I have come a really long way. And this is where this whole thing about encountering Jesus is not just about our spiritual self. It's about our whole self. And we see that in this story when, Zacchaeus, when Jesus says to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. Salvation today has come to all of you. Everything about you counts. I've seen all of it. And Zacchaeus gets this because more or less as soon as he's seen Jesus, he's like, everyone else is like, why is he going there? And Zacchaeus is straight on it. He's like, I'm giving away half my money. I'll pay back anyone I've defrauded four times. Zacchaeus, like the woman in the story we looked at last week, and much quicker on the uptake than me, for whom it took a long time, gets the point that becoming renewed by the Spirit of God touches every area of our life. Salvation gets to breathe out in every decision that we make. One of the uh, lovely ways that salvation has come to this house is translated is like this. You can paraphrase it. So Jesus says today, salvation has come to this house. So own that. Let that resonate down the millennia into your heart today. Today, salvation has come to your house. And we can paraphrase this. The rescue of God has come to your house today. Jesus is saying to to us now, you're out of danger. I have rescued you. You are safe now. And it is that rescue and it is that safety that lets Zacchaeus leave behind his lifestyle of exploitation and give generously back. It is that uh, understanding of safety that lets that woman pour out her life savings. And we today are invited to hear that in our hearts and in our possessions and in our actual house, like the household of everything that we are, that we are safe. Salvation has come to this house. You are safe. The rescue of God God has reached you. And from that position, everything else, we get to reorder everything. We get to reorder relationships. We get to reorder past pain. We get to reorder our money and our material resources. And it is a joyful thing. It is a joyful thing to reset not just our hearts, but our material lives. And in Revelation, it says, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever hears me and opens the door, I'm going to come in and eat with you and drink with you. And you might see that on little cards for people that aren't Christians. It's actually written to Christians. It's written in Revelation to to churches, to people like us. 
And so while we know and love Jesus, let's hear the knock on the door of our lives today. And as we gather for communion with one another and with him, let's eat and drink and know that salvation has come to our house and let the transformation happen. I'm going to pray that. Lord, we thank you for the gift of eating and drinking with you, for the gift of having you knock at the door of our lives continuously. And so, God, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us to reach deep places where we still might be a little bit tied up. And God, reveal to us that today salvation has come to our house. Amen. Amen.